open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Let us pray. Father God, we give you total praise. As much as we can muster on this side of glory. With our limitations and our finiteness, we offer to you a sacrifice of praise. That needs to be filtered by your grace. And being in your presence causes us to long for glory, for heaven, when our worship of you will not be interrupted or hindered by our flaws or our humanity. We look forward to the day where we will be given new bodies. As Paul said, when he went to heaven, the things he heard were inexpressible, not to mention the things that we are going to see. So, Lord, as we're looking through this glass, this mirror dimly, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to show us your glory. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus to us. Thank you for the word of God, whereby we get to know your heart and your mind and your will. Thank you, God. And now as we stand to share your word, we pray that you'll be glorified and that you'll use this time that will be transformed, will be blessed. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. Reading from the New King James Version, the Bible says, On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it? that you have no faith. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So give me a few moments this morning to share a message entitled, The Storm is Passing, Part One. I said the storm is passing, part one. There are three things I observe from this text amongst many things, but the first thing that I observe is that the disciples were in the will of God and they were still in a storm. They were in the will of God because Jesus told them to get into the boat and to cross the Sea of Galilee. They did not know the storm was coming. But the storm came. And it's just a reminder to us that just because you're in a storm, that doesn't mean that you're outside of the will of God. It may mean that because you are in a storm, it's because you are in the will of God. You see, they were in the middle of this boat, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. With Jesus asleep in the middle of the boat, in the middle of a storm, and praise God, they were in the middle of the will of God. So you be encouraged and you hold on. Another observation is that this was no ordinary storm. 
because the Bible says that it was a great windstorm. The word great in the Greek is mega. The word windstorm is the Greek word lilac. And it means a sudden gust of wind, a gale, a breeze, a, 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 almost in hurricane force that came upon that lake, that sea in a moment, almost in the twinkling of an eye. It was a great windstorm because when they got in the boat, the storm was not present. Because had the storm been present, they would not have gotten into the boat. But they got into the boat and started sailing, and then the storm came. And it was a great storm that came against a group of people who were in the will of God. Now, it must have been a uh, an amazing storm because you have fishermen here. And they are used to being in boats during storms. So I would imagine that they've been on the seas when it's been choppy before. I would imagine they've been out when it's rained before. But there was something about this storm that caused them to panic and grab a hold of Jesus to wake him up. And so this was no ordinary storm. But thirdly, I see that Jesus was worn out. Have you ever needed Jesus right now and it seems like he's asleep on you? I'm here to let you know he's not asleep. He's very much aware. Because as Jesus was sleeping in his humanity, he was awake in his deity. He knew exactly what was going on. And although the disciples didn't know the storm was coming, Jesus knew the storm was coming. As a matter of fact, he ordained the storm to come. So if you just hold on, I'll share that with you in a moment. But Jesus was worn out. And you know you got to be worn out when you can sleep and water is hitting your face. You know you got to be worn out because some of us don't like to go on cruises now because it's too much rocking on the boat. So he was tired. And you know you're getting some good sleep when you're sleeping with a pillow. Now, he could have just said, I'm, I'm just crashing. But he prepared this sleep saying, where's my pillow at? That's just a word to all of us. If you want some good sleep, go get yourself a good pillow. Jesus was getting it in. Why was he so tired? Because according to the earlier portions of chapter 4, he had been teaching and preaching all day. And what a lot of people don't understand is that teaching and preaching can wear you out emotionally and it can wear you out mentally and above all it wears you out spiritually. He had been teaching all day and the other guys were just deacons and ushers that day. And so that's why they got on the boat awake but Jesus got on that boat and went to sleep. He was worn out. And so that's why if you want to fellowship with me, do not try to fellowship with me on Sunday after church. Because if you come to my house, and you're welcome to come over to my house, uh, bring something when you come. But anyway, my family knows that on Sundays, the lazy boy will earn its name that day. Because the lazy boy will tilt back. I don't care who's playing, Kobe, LeBron, I don't care what football team, when that chair goes back, I am about to go out. And if I go to sleep on you, that means I trust you. So I'm going to sleep on Sunday. Jesus was worn out. But I got three questions from the text. And that is, number one, did Jesus know this storm was coming? Yes, he did. He knows all things. He's omniscient. He knew it was coming. Who sent this storm? That's the big question. Who sent this storm? And I want to suggest to you, that the one who sent this storm is the same one who sent a storm to kill Job's family. And that was Satan, the fallen angel, formerly known as Lucifer, who has the authority to control, if not manipulate, the elements. So he has power. And so in the book of Job, he sent a storm to kill Job's kids, and the house collapsed. And so we see he has the ability to manipulate, even control the weather to a degree. I want to stick a pen in it right here and quote the great reformer Martin Luther. Because Martin Luther once said that the devil is God's devil. Because the devil can't do anything unless he has permission from God to do it. So although the enemy was the one who sent this storm, and I will prove it all the more in a few moments, it was God who allowed the storm to come. The enemy sent it, and God is going to use it for a reason. So who sent the storm? Who sent the wind? Many times when you read in the scriptures, the word wind is the word pneuma, where we get spirit from. 
So the wind, you can't see the wind, you can feel the effects. You can't see spirits, but you can feel the effects. So who sent this wind, this spirit, against the disciples to destroy them and kill them? It was Satan who came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So why was the storm sent against the disciples at this time? Why now? Why this storm and why now? Chapter 5. Read with me. Verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Jadaranes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. I hope we have more sense than demons, because demons have enough sense to worship Jesus. And sometimes worship is just an acknowledgement of the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so when we come here and we don't feel like singing, worship really has nothing to do with your feelings. It's about acknowledging who God is. And if the demons can tremble and know that there is a God, and if demons can fall down and worship Jesus, how much more should the redeemed of the Lord worship God and fall down before him? And it says, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now stop and pause. Now a Roman legion would have upwards of 5,200 to 6,000 soldiers in it. So this man had anywhere from 5,000 to 6,000 demons inside of him. And the demons knew what their name was. It was Legion. So when Jesus asked the name, it gave its name. We are many, but we are one. So once again, you see demons many times having more sense than the people of God. Because we are many, but we are not always one. Demons can work together for their cause, but a lot of times God's people can't work together for our cause. We're many, but we are one. Verse 10, and also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Why didn't they want to go out the country? Because Satan had given them an assignment that they were to hold down that area for the kingdom of darkness. So they didn't want to disappoint their commander by leaving the area. Because if we go to Ephesians 6, we recognize that spiritual warfare is very meticulous. It is laid out, spiritual forces and wickedness in high places. Demon, uh, Satan has his demons organized and they strategize and they submit to him. They didn't want to leave the area because that was their assignment. And just to say that demons have assignments everywhere. They hold regions down on lock. But we have a savior who was willing to cross the sea to reach one person, to see that one man delivered, and then to see that region set free. And then he went back over to the other side. I said Jesus came down from heaven to deliver us from Satan's grip and tyranny. By dying on the cross, shedding his blood. Had it been for just one, he would have come. But he came for the whole world because he loves us so. So the demons are begging, don't send us out of our assigned area. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there. So this reminds us and lets us know this isn't a Jewish area. This is a Gentile part of town because all these pigs are hanging out. They're feeding near the mountain. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them what? Permission. <laughs> 
Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his what? Right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from the region. So I ask you, why was this storm sent and why was it sent now? Because Satan did not want to surrender his stronghold on the area that he had through that man. Matthew's gospel says it was two men. And so in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, their interpretation, their coverage of this event, they talk about the one man who may have been the foremost one. And, and not only were these men loud and obnoxious and chains could not hold them, they were cutting themselves, living amongst the tombs. They were also naked. And so they had to be clothed. So you look at how Satan had entered these men and was consuming them and destroying them. And so he knew Jesus was on his way to set that man or those men free. So he tried to stop them so that they would not tear down that stronghold and that fortress that Satan had used to terrorize that whole community. So he tried to stop them from getting from chapter 4 into chapter 5. Satan tried to stop them from getting out of chapter 4 to getting into chapter 5. Satan sent this violent storm against the disciples to keep them from making it to their next chapter. He'll try to stop you. Because if you can just make it to that next place that God has for you. If you could just make it to the next day, the, the next morning where some mercies are new. If you could make it to the next week, the next month, the next year. Some of us didn't know if we were going to make it into 2016 because the storm was so severe. But not only did we make it, as we've crossed over, Satan's forces are dismantling because we're still alive. And with the living there is hope and to live is Christ. And so I am a threat to the kingdom of darkness wherever I step and wherever I trod. I am the light of the world under Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world. You are the salt. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, if the light has been put under a bushel, how will the world see? How will the world be salted? Oh, but when you understand who you are and when Jesus allows you to live a little longer to make it to the next day, to make it to the next chapter, when the devil tried to stop you any way he could, when you make it there, Satan's forces are dismantled because of your presence in Jesus' name. He came strong against them. He didn't want to give up his hold on the community. But watch this. God used it all. You see, Satan sent the storm to throw them. He sent the storm to throw them. Pastor, what do you mean? He wanted to throw them into fear. He wanted to throw them into panic. He wanted to throw them into confusion. He wanted to throw them at odds with God and with one another. He wanted to throw them out of the ministry. He wanted to throw them overboard. And he wanted to throw them to their deaths. But there was somebody on board. And this person on board that when he got on their boat, their boat became his boat. And he was the captain of that particular boat. And this captain wasn't going to go down with that particular ship. Because that's how this captain is. He, he's got power. Even when he's sleeping, he's in charge. And so Jesus used the same storm that the enemy sent to throw the men into confusion and fear and disparity, to argue amongst themselves, to panic, to give up. Jesus used the same storm to grow them. So he ordained it while using the devil. 
so that he could see spiritual growth occur in his disciples. Because he had just been teaching them on land. And now the master moved the classroom out on the sea where they had no control. And now they had to really put into practice the stuff that they heard Jesus preaching all day while they're out there in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm. And it's nothing like a storm to grow us up in our faith. And the Lord will order up some storms for us from time to time. Because all of us are either going into a storm, we're either in a storm, or we're just coming out of a storm. Your life won't escape storms and neither will mine. But God uses storms to grow us. Now let me give you a quick tip here. What to do when you're in a storm. When you are in a storm... Because you're in the will of God or maybe you're out of the will of God. And as we'll see in a few weeks, God will send you a whalogram like he did with Jonah to get you right. And he does it in love. But he'll get the glory and he'll use any storm, whether it comes on us because of spiritual warfare or it comes upon us from natural reasons or because we've been disobedient. Here's what you do during a storm. Number one, when you're in a storm, you need to listen to Jesus. Then you need to look at Jesus. And then thirdly, you just need to let Jesus. All right, let's talk about it. When you're in a storm, you need to listen to Jesus. Why? Because he told them very calmly. Uh, he told them very directly. Let us go to the other side. And so if Jesus said it, it's going to happen because God is not a man that he should lie. So God is bound by his word. So if Jesus say we're going to make it to the other side, we're going to make it to the other side. Even if he don't tell me there's a storm coming. Because had he told me the storm was coming, I might have stayed on shore. But he let me get into, ah, uh, you tricked me, Jesus. He let me get into the boat. And the Bible says in chapter 5, they made it to the other side. So when I'm in something, I need to hear the voice of Jesus. Because the wind is blowing at me. And a lot of times I listen more to the wind than the maker of the wind. And I need to listen to his word. And I, I need to remember what Jesus said when I'm in a storm. Like, you are more than a conqueror. I, I will not put more on you than you can bear. You can do all things through me. Oh, hang in there. Do not grow weary in well-doing. You will reap a harvest if you faint not. Hang in there. Remember my word when you're going through a storm. But not only that, you need to look at Jesus. Because when that storm hit at night, and that water, the Bible says, was filling the boat. Now, they're fishermen. You don't need a PhD to know that boat. Water, water don't belong inside of the boat. Water's supposed to be outside of the boat, not inside the boat. And so they're looking at the elements. They're looking at the clouds, and they see the rain coming down, and the ship is being tossed, and they're spending time looking at that all the while. Jesus is right in the stern, sleeping. And what they should have done, and what we should do, rather than spending our time looking at the elements and the effects of the storm and talking all about the storm and focusing on the storm, because whatever you look at the most is what you give the most authority to. Somebody should have said, wait a minute, let's look at Jesus. You see, the boat is filling, but he's chilling. I mean, you can only sleep when you're at peace. Y'all know how it is. When you're not at peace, you can't sleep. So Jesus is at peace, which means he is chilling. So the boat is filling. Jesus is chilling, but the disciples are illing. I know when I'm in a storm and I'm illing, it's because I'm looking too much at the storm and not enough at the Lord. Because the Lord, he's either God of all or he's not God at all. And he's either in control or he's not in control. And I choose to believe that he is God of all and he is in control of all. So let me look at him because right now, no matter what I'm going through, he's not up in heaven panicking. And no matter what you go through, he's not up in heaven wondering what's going to happen. He's not twiddling his thumbs as he's sitting on the throne of God. 
No, he's sitting on the throne with all power, all knowledge. He knows how the end is going to be. He's not tripping, so why am I tripping? So rather than illing, I'm going to look at the one that's chilling. And then you got to just let Jesus. So I need to listen to him. I need to look at him. Then I just need to let him. I need to let him do what only he can do. You know, when I go and talk to him and say, Lord, would you help? Now, when they went to him, they didn't know what he was going to do. They just went to him, and I give him credit for that. At least they knew who to go to. They didn't get on the phone and call grandma and them. Grandma! They didn't go and call somebody else on land. No, they called Jesus, but they didn't know what he was going to do. And Jesus got up, wiped the holy crust out of his eyes. And he did what a lot of people would think is crazy. He spoke to wind. And he spoke to the sea. As a matter of fact, he rebuked the wind. Now, if you walk around rebuking the wind, people are going to think something ain't right with you. Now, you better make sure that when you do something like that, that the Lord is leading you. Pastor Daryl and I were in a concert many, many years ago, and we did street ministry. And we were rapping in the streets, I think of Virginia somewhere. And clouds started coming in. And, you know, man, we got the stage set up, the mics are set up. People are starting to come, but man, this cloud is coming in. So one of the people on the stage with us, one of the performers, uh, it was a rapper. He started commanding the storm, saying, get away, go away. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. We got to preach the gospel today. And, uh, and everybody's looking like, man, okay, he, he's a little out there, but all right. And so the storm came that day, and it rained cats and dogs. So if you're going to do that stuff, make sure it's the Lord leading you to do that and not you trying to do that to sound bad. Remember those dudes that tried to cast some demons out because they saw Paul doing it. They said, let's try to do what he did. Them demons were like, I'm a, uh, we know Jesus. We know Paul. But who in the world are you? So don't play with this now. We got to be led by the Spirit. But Jesus rebuked. And the word rebuke means he said, put a muzzle on it. Shut up. So if that wind is coming from Satan, he's saying to Satan, you're intimidating my guys. That spirit of timidity is coming. Shut up. And then he said to the sea, peace, exclamation point. I love it. Every now and then you got to raise your voice. Exclamation points are part of the kingdom. Everything can't be a period all the time. Sometimes you got to pray with an exclamation point or two. Like when you're texting and stuff and you start putting everything in capitals, that means something going LOL. That means you're laughing loud. <laughs> but when we pray, sometimes you got to shout when you pray. It ain't because God is hard of hearing. It's because, man, you got to let that stuff out of you. Jesus said, shut up. And Jesus fixed that thing in a way that they didn't even know he would fix it. They never saw nobody do nothing like that before. That's why at the end of the chapter 4, they're more amazed and afraid of Jesus than they were of the storm. They're like, oh my, who are we right? Who is this man right here? But not only did Satan send the storm to throw them in, Jesus used the same storm to grow them. He also used the same storm to show them. He's like, I show y'all something. Because when we get over on the other side of this sea, immediately Satan met them through the man or through the men. Because they knew what Jesus was there for, and that was to get them out of that man and to get them out of that region. So when they got to that side, Jesus showed his power over the demonic realm. And he showed that power to Satan. He showed that power to the community, the guys who owned the swine. And he showed his power to his disciples. See, they saw his power out on the sea. Now they're going to see his power on land. Oh, he's a wonder. And so he had to show his power. And he showed his power over Satan to deliver a man that had thousands of demons inside of him. A man who was destroying his own life and hurting other people. The world tried to contain him, but the world couldn't contain him because it was a spiritual problem. The world can't put education on a spiritual problem. They can't put money on a spiritual problem. Jesus has to be put on a spiritual problem. That's why the church has to step up and step into regions where darkness is. 
You see, when Jesus built his church, he made the declaration in Caesarea Philippi on the mountain where it was believed was the gates of hell and the God of Pan was worshipped there. So Jesus said right here in the midst of all this demonic activity, I'm declaring that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You got to have something rambunctious about you. You got to be on the offensive to make a statement like that. But why are we as Christians so passive all the time? When we get into a spiritual fight, we get surprised. Then we want to run. But Jesus built his church to face spiritual opposition. Jesus went up in hell and picked the fight. I'm going to build my church right here. Oh, I want to plant a church out in the suburbs where it's all so nice and clean. I want to plant a church. People don't want to plant churches in Haiti. People don't want to plant churches, man, in Iraq and dark places in the middle inner city of Detroit. No, we want to all go to the suburbs. And we all want to have these kind of churches. Jesus said, man, find where it's darkest, and that's where the light needs to go. He said, I got to show my power. So Satan... Yeah, he, he sent the storm to throw them, but Jesus used the storm to grow them and then to show them. Oh, man, the story is told of a cruise ship that had taken off from Charleston, South Carolina, and it was on its way to the Bahamas. And as they were traveling, they came into a storm. And the storm was so bad. It was so torrential. It was so horrendous that the passengers panicked and thought they were going to die. People who were watching the news and they saw this storm come from out of nowhere, this tornado, this hurricane, if you will, friends and family on land who knew their family was on that boat, they began to panic. The storm was so bad that the crew started panicking. Crew, the, the, the storm was so bad that even the first mate panicked. <coughs> Passengers panicked. People on land panicked. The crew panicked. The, the first mate panicked. But guess what? The captain did not panic. And so when they finally made it through the storm and they got to their port in the Bahamas, the passengers were relieved. The people on land, they were relieved that their loved ones lived. The crew was relieved. Woo! And then the first mate, oh, he was relieved. And then the captain was still sitting there with the same look on his face on land that he had on sea. Peace. The first mate, after everyone had disembarked the ship, the first mate went up to the captain and said, Captain, all of us were panicking out on that storm, but you. I mean, everybody, even the crew, me, your right-hand man, I panicked. And I just want to know, why didn't you panic during that storm of storms? The captain looked back at his first mate and said, the reason why I didn't panic is, number one, that was not my first storm. Number two, I've been in storms far worse than that one. And number three, I know that this ship was built with that particular storm in mind. So Strong Tower, on the first day of the year, Sunday of the year, I just stopped by to let you know that you may be going through some storms, and we all go through storms, but we have a master, a captain, who is in control of all things, and we just need to look at him, and he'll say to you about your life, he will say, this is not my first storm. So this may be your first storm. You, you may be struggling in your marriage and with your finances and with the church, but this ain't my first storm. I've been here throughout all eternity. And, and by the way, I've seen bigger storms than what you're going through. And by the way, I built you to be able to endure this particular storm. Strong Tower, we, we went through some storms in 2015. That made folks want to jump off the boat, get off, whatever, oh Lord. But Jesus is saying, Strong Tower, um, I'm using this storm to grow you. 
because uh, this ain't the first storm I've seen. Uh, the church at Philippi went through some storms. The, the church at Colossae went through some storms. Uh, the church at Laodicea went through some storms. The church at Ephesus went through. Y'all ain't immune from storms. And by the way, I've seen some bigger storms than what Strong's Our Bible Church is going through. Why don't you ask the persecuted church around the world right now when people are firebombing them and people are kidnapping pastors. I've seen bigger storms than what Strong Tower Bible Church is going through. And by the way, Strong Tower, I built this church because I said I'm going to build my church. I built this church with this particular storm in mind. So don't you worry about it, Strong Tower. <laughs> amen, amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back. As we close out this time today, the storm is passing. You be encouraged. We're all in different places. For me, the storm is passing. For you, you may be in the middle of it or heading to it. But he will use the storm to grow you and to show you his power. And in the meantime... Debunk the works of the enemy used to try to destroy you and to make you quit and give up and not trust God. God will put a muzzle on the enemy and he will show you his power in the peace in the middle of the storm. But may we all surrender to Jesus. state of warfare, even if the war is not necessarily here on our soil, but war is always going on. And some would even say there are other kinds of wars in America as far as systemic racism, police brutality, oppression of the poor, all kinds of wars that are going on. But we don't need to forget that there is a spiritual war. times when I am most discouraged and unfruitful is because I have spent too much time looking at what is seen than what is unseen. Because what is unseen is eternal and there are demons and angels. There's God and there's Satan. There is this tug of war even though we know we are victorious because of Christ. Next month, a year ago, we dedicated this building under Tony Evans, one of my spiritual fathers. 
Because God had chosen to lift us up out of one community and bring this church to another community. And it had nothing to do about a building or any of that kind of stuff. It had everything to do about strategy. God relocated us because there were people crying out, saying, Lord, would you send help? The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field. People were praying for a church like ours to come into this community. So God brings us into this community. A community with a different set of strongholds than what we had in Franklin for 18 years. And we've come into a building that has also had various strongholds within it. There are various spirits in arid places and at work to stop churches like ours and the ones all around us from taking territory from the enemy and giving it back to God. There are spirits that want to stop us from seeing captives set free. If we're too busy inside, confused, consumed and worried, stressed out, arguing with one another, looking at the natural realm, we'll never get to the real fight which is casting down the works of darkness and seeing God set people free through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seeing the naked clothed as the disciples gave their clothes to that man that day. They participated in what Jesus did. And so he's called us here to do a work and the enemy knew it. We were coming this way and the enemy tried to stop us before we even got here because he doesn't want to surrender what he has in this community. But we are here as soldiers of light to take back what the enemy has had bound up in this particular community. And so we made it to our next chapter. But we dedicated this house. But we did not fumigate this house. We got to fumigate this house so that we can fumigate the community. Because if we can't do it in here, if we don't have a clean environment in here, where the Holy Spirit can just flow freely in here, he's not going to be able to flow as freely through us out there. So I don't know what spirits were in this building from the first owners. I don't know what spirits were in this building from the people who rented this spot for 10 years. But we're here now. And we want a clean spirit, clean environment. And so we need to do what Jesus did if you got five minutes, because you not only fasted to start the year, but you fasted so that now we can do some spiritual warfare, because I need all of y'all to pray. I'm going to call you up in a moment, and then we're going to end this service. But listen to this. Jesus specifically asked the name of the spirit and the spirit had to submit to Jesus and he said his name was legion for there are many when you read the Bible spirits have different names on them there's the spirit of harlotry the spirit of confusion the spirit of fear so as we pray as a matter of fact I'm going to ask you to start coming this way right now I want you all to meet me at this altar right now from the balcony, everybody, you start coming down on this level right now. You stand in the hallway if you can't get up to this altar. Jesus didn't save us just to go to heaven. He saved us to bring some heaven down to earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's done in heaven? The rule of God. The authority of God. So we're consecrating ourselves. We're asking him to do a work in this church. But I'm going to ask you to use the weapons of warfare that God has given you, even our teenagers and our children, to specifically pray against the spirits that have come against this church, this community, the spirit of fear. So when we pray for the next five minutes audibly, I want you to rebuke the spirit of fear. There should not be any fear in the house of God. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You should be free to worship. Free to be who you are. Free to be broken. Not to put no mask on and try to be spiritual for folk. 
This is who you are. By the grace of God, you are what you are. Be free in who you are and who God is making you to be. Let's rebuke that spirit of fear that says, I don't really want to worship. I, uh, let's rebuke that spirit of fear. That says, man, I don't know if I can tithe. I don't know if I can witness. I don't know if I can serve. Let's rebuke the spirit of territorialism in this church. Too many folk think they got a territory up in here. Like this is your stuff. This ain't your stuff. This is God's stuff. This ain't my pulpit. This is God's pulpit. Man, I was getting strained on the sabbatical. I'm like, man, I haven't been up in the pulpit. God's like, I don't need you. I'll use you, but I don't need you. This ain't yours. Ain't your territory. How about the spirit of unforgiveness? Oh my, he had to set me free on that one. The spirit of gossip. Let's call out the spirit of pride in this place. Let's cast it down in Jesus' name. If we humbled ourselves, can you imagine? He gives grace to the humble. Let's speak against the spirit of anger. The spirit of lust and adultery. The spirit of confusion. The enemy operates in confusion. So when communication isn't clear, from the pulpit, from the leaders, from the uh, uh, elders... It just causes confusion. We need, Lord, would you rebuke that spirit of confusion? Help us learn how to communicate clearer and better. Then this spirit of quitting. I got to say this. Soon as it gets tough, let me quit. Do you know how many times I want to quit my job here? I don't need all this. And the Lord was like, where are you going to go? Because I called you here. And you can't quit when I called you. So stop, get that out of your mouth. You got people wanting to quit the church, quit the ministry, quit your marriage, quit your children, quit your job. Get that out of your mouth. And then the spirit of divisiveness and deception and manipulation. Let's call these spirits out in prayer. How the Lord leads you. Let's cast this junk down. We've dedicated the house. Now we're going to fumigate this house in the name of Jesus. So as Jesus rebuked that spirit, we're going to rebuke these spirits in his name. We, he wants us to do what he did, so let's do what he did. So let's rebuke it. And when he rebuked it, he didn't do it with his mouth closed. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray audibly. Then I'm going to close this time in prayer. Then we're going to ask God with a final prayer, break every chain. Start praying, Strong Tower, audibly. Speak against those spirits. You know what they are. You know what they are. Call them out. Get them out of here in Jesus' name. Get them out of your family. Get them out of your home. Get them out of your job. Cast them out in Jesus' name. He gave you authority. Pray. So sick and tired of the enemy. Call them out. Name those spirits. Confusion. Divisiveness, deception. Call them out. You are a child of God. You got the armor on. Call them out. Don't be timid. Call them out. Touch and agree, touch and agree, touch and agree. Spirit of alcoholism. Spirit of depression. Spirit of suicide. Call them out and rebuke them in Jesus' name. Spirit of destruction on our children down the street at J.T. Moore. We call it out. No, you will not have those children. Spirit of competition between churches. Father, we pray for Bethel Church right now. We pray for every church in this community. We pray for Church of the City. We pray for Christ Community Church. We pray for West Harford Primitive Baptist Church. 
pray for your body. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for the casting down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We cast them down with the weapons of God. The weapons of prayer. The weapons of the Holy Spirit. The weapon of truth from the word of God. The weapon of the gospel of grace. We cast down the works of darkness right now in Jesus name. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Father, forgive us for letting him have his way for so long. Forgive us for trying to fight a spiritual battle in the flesh. Forgive us, O oh God, that we haven't fasted more, that we haven't prayed more, that we haven't forgiven more, that we haven't stood in the gap more. Forgive us, O oh God, but thank you for a new day, a new opportunity, new grace, a new chapter right now. So we tell the spirit of confusion, you must leave Strong Tower Bible Church. We tell the quitting spirit that you must get out of this church. The spirit of territorialism, you must leave right now in Jesus' name. All of this is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it, the fullness thereof. My body is the Lord's. My mind is the Lord. My gifts are the Lord. My job is the Lord. My money is the Lord's. And my problems are the Lord's. We speak to these spirits of timidity, get out. And we claim the victory. The chain breaker. You're the chain breaker. There's power in your name. We thank you that you set that man free. He could break physical chains, but he couldn't break that spiritual chain. Jesus, you're the one who breaks spiritual chains. Free this body so that we can walk into that next season of seeing you show your power, using us in ways we could never imagine. The devil tried, but he couldn't succeed because you were with us. And your goodness to us was not based on our goodness to you. We panicked, we struggled, we were fearful, but you were cool. You're God! You got all power in your hands. Break every chain is our prayer. And thank you that they are broken. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said.